Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here this morning. Um, Yeah, today we're going to be continuing in our series, uh, What We Believe, where we're looking at these foundational truths of uh, Christianity. This is actually our fifth week. And uh, so if you'd like to go back and and check those out, if you go on gatewaybc.com where it says sermons, click on that. That'll take you back to the archive. Those of you who are watching during the live stream, you can go there right now and that's all loaded up and ready to go. So we've talked about uh, the Bible. We've talked about God, the father. We've talked about who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit. And as we come to our topic today, I think that there is a shared experience, just one of the many shared experiences that we're having during this uh, period of time uh, that I think will get us uh, started as we move on ahead. This is the shared experience I'm talking about this morning. It's uh, borne out by statistics, everything else. We are watching more television than ever before. Are y'all, are y'all experiencing this? Literally, we're watching more television than ever before. And it's crazy when you look at what the numbers tell us, especially for streaming services. I think I saw where Disney Plus uh, growing like crazy. They are projecting to hit 100 million subscribers, right? By the time we get through uh, the end of this year, Netflix says that right now they are at 182 million subscribers. Now, you know, that allows you to do multiple screens, family share, everything else. Like we are in it. And because of that, um, pretty much if you walk through a house that you share with someone else, uh, you'll realize that more likely than not, you're going to be coming into the middle of their show. Have you, is, am I the only one who's experienced this? Whatever room I go into, it doesn't really matter because there is something playing on TV and I really have no idea what it is, right? I'm coming in like eight minutes into it, 12 minutes into it. And again, when you look at the person that's in there, you kind of give them this look and the look you get back is like, no, I'm not going to pause it. No, don't make me explain it to you. Right. Or you run into this other dilemma because it's all on demand where you share these shows that you're watching together, which also leads into uh, uncharted territories because, you know, back in the day we kind of had to to make sure we were in front of the TV when it was going to be shown. Does anybody else remember that? You remember that? Yeah. Okay. Now, however, you know, you just pull it up. So like in our house, so Susan and I, like there, there are a couple series that we're watching together. So, you know, got to be there together uh, at the same time. Then there are a couple shows that like Olivia's there with us, my youngest and, and Susan and I. So we all three watch those. So, you know, you got to make sure everybody's there for that. Then it really gets tricky because I have two other kids who are somewhere else, you know, not with us. And so, you know, if you go ahead and watch it without them, then you've spoiled it for them, right? So you get all lined up, you go in there, you're like, okay, is everybody on? Is everybody on? Go ahead, press play now, right? And then you have, yeah, anyway, a multiple, multiple, multiple ways to lose the plot. Like I, I can tell you right now that I'm in five or six different series that I really don't have any idea what's going on. Like I haven't seen the beginning. I, I, I just walk in. 
if you ask someone to catch you up on what's going on, like I said before, it's like, they're just like, please don't do that to me. Or if they do want to help you out, what happens? You get all of this information that you have no context for. You have no idea. Will it show up? Will it matter? Who knows? It may have bearing on it or it may not. It reminds me of, um, there used to be, and actually they're, they're still kind of on TV if you can find them. Do y'all remember soap operas? Anyone? Anyone? Don't put your hand up. We don't, we don't want to know uh, how that worked. But that would be me. Yeah. So soap operas, right? And they were on every day for like an hour or something. Every day of the week, you had to be there to catch it. And if you missed anything, then like if you missed a week, you were gone. Like there was no telling what had happened to, you know, Kayla or Patch or Shane or Doc. Does anybody, anybody know which one that is? Days of our lives? Really? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. Haven't seen it. Couldn't tell you anything about any of that. And uh, it's funny because it it pulls you in to stay on track, right, once you get there. So I have a a family, uh, a relative, who uh, told me that they still try to not miss an episode of, you ready for this? How is this for a 90s name? The Bold and the Beautiful Soap opera. Yep. I, I see the hands. I get the hands on that one. Right. Because they'd been watching it since the eighties. And my response to that was, are we, are you really my brother? Can we really be related? Like, are you still doing this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of true. Now I bring all that up to say that there is a, a huge tendency when you start in the middle of the story or you get lost along the way, whatever to lose the plot to kind of have no idea, no real understanding how, how it began. Uh, you don't even know what you miss because you're not there to catch it. And that's what happens in our understanding of why and how God wants to be in a relationship with us. You know, I would say for uh, most of us, there's been some exposure to this idea of God or Jesus, some kind of thought about that whole thing, but it's more like a flyby, right? We just kind of bump into it in our culture. Um, I was driving down the road and I saw this sign that said, Jesus saves, right? Jesus saves. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, if you kind of grew up around some of the stuff, you might, might know kind of what that assumes or what's implied by that statement. But really, even that statement, it's like walking into the middle of a conversation, like who what does what from what? Like, it's hard to understand. So today we're going to examine what the Bible tells us about God's plan of salvation, right? What does that mean? That, that huge word, because just like everything else, we need to understand it from the beginning. Now, as we get started unpacking this idea of how really salvation just means God wants a relationship with us. We have to start with one foundational truth uh, that we're going to go ahead and put up there because uh, it's, it's necessary for the conversation. The foundational truth is this, that not all religions can be correct. And I know that that may feel a little mean uh, to some of y'all. I understand that, but honestly, it just makes sense when you think about it, right? Because not all religions tell us that, they, that we have the same problem to overcome as humanity. And it ends up being like a math problem, right? There, there actually is only one solution that's correct 
for a mathematical equation. I live off of Coon Road. The bridge has been out, you know, and then they reopened it. And let me tell you, what I'm hoping is that that crazy engineer who's designing the bridge actually arrives at what? The one correct answer before I drive over it, right? I don't just want some random number. I want that person to have arrived at the correct answer. So as we get started with this, I know that we've probably all heard the saying that all religions are just kind of different paths up the same mountain. So when you get to the top, kind of it's all the same. But that actually is an idea that wasn't really popularized until the second half of the 1900s, which makes sense because that was after World War II, right? And so the goal was to minimize religious differences um, in a way that seems to make sense on the surface. But when you drill down to it, you can see where it kind of, it, it really doesn't stack up. Sure, let's be disciplined. Sure, let's try to be better. But when you get right down to it, it doesn't work out that way. I'm gonna, this is gonna be a broad brush here. So um, you can send me an email later, tag w at gatewaybc.com if you would like to talk about this. But again, not all the nuances, but here's some ways to think about this with the different religions. For example, let's start with Judaism. So in Judaism, the problem is humanity's separation from God. And the solution would be returning to him through the means of this ongoing sacrificial system. Now, later on, after the destruction of the temple, it moved to how uh, we handle Torah and the law and that kind of thing. But that's, that's the main issue. In Buddhism, the problem is suffering. And the solution, when the Buddha was asked what made him different, he said, I am awake. So it's this idea of awakening, which then leads to nirvana. And nirvana means extinguishment. It doesn't mean heaven, no matter what they talk about in California. Now, Hinduism says that the problem for humanity is that uh, we become stuck in this ongoing cycle of birth, life, and then death. And the solution is to achieve enlightenment that kind of stops that cycle and breaks us out, right? So moksha. In Islam, the problem to overcome is self-dependence and the solution is submission to Allah. Atheism sees religion itself as the main problem and the solution then is the abandonment of any type of religious faith. These are the new atheists. And then finally, humanism believes that we should stop looking for some outside supernatural force uh, to guide us and then just focus on developing our own ethical selves. And, you know, obviously we could go into to more depth, but do you see how those are all different, right? So you can't have the same solution for all these multiple problems. Not everyone can be correct. You know, there is a... The, there are truths that are woven into the fabric of our universe, right? That allow us to get to a correct answer. A great way to, to think about this is uh, the, the idea of sincerity, right? Well, we can be sincere and we can be honest, but we can be honestly and sincerely wrong, right? I may sincerely believe that uh, gravity you know, isn't a constant force. I may sincerely believe that it shouldn't be as strong as it is. But when I jump out of the tree in my backyard, right, I'm going to fall, whether I want to recognize it or not. And hoping that I won't fall, 
as we've all tried, little kiddos, doesn't change the reality of what's going to happen. So all of that to say, let's see what Christianity presents, right, as a way that we can know God and live in a relationship with him. So let's start at the beginning. First, we need to recognize that God designed us to be in a personal and loving relationship with him. Now, this is where it all begins back at the very start of creation, everything designed by God, including us. Genesis one thirty one says, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It was very good. So it was created perfectly. If you're familiar with those first few chapters of Genesis, then you know that everything had its starting point in God's creative work. And we were in this great relationship with God. As a matter of fact, those early chapters let us know that God would come down face to face in this place of perfection, this garden, right? The Garden of Eden and walk around with no awkwardness, no fear, no nothing. And it's not just in the Garden of Eden we see this. Uh, Later on in Exodus, it says, the Lord spoke with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Even all those centuries later, as God is moving his people out of the land of Egypt, he's personally involved with them. You know, sometimes we think that God just wants to punish us, but that's not really what we see in the Bible. What we see is God always wants a relationship with us. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. You know, and I know sometimes we grow up and what we're around, you know, you kind of, you kind of see God sometimes up there with the lightning bolt, you know, polishing it like a cue stick, you know, just waiting to hurl it your way or manipulate your circumstances um, just because he can to make you miserable. But that's not what we see when we look in the Bible at all. God isn't looking to harm us. He's not looking to hurt you. He wants to be in a loving relationship with you since the beginning of the universe. But then we all know that's not always our experience. Number two, we see that we uh, need to realize we make choices that break our relational connection with God. The first humans, if you're familiar with the story, uh, did it way back at the beginning and we still do it today. In Genesis it says, then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Little background, there's only one tree that God said, hey, Don't eat from this tree. You have the rest of the farm, the rest of the garden. Just stay away from this one, right? So she sees it. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So he called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And the man said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. So Adam and Eve were faced with this choice to stay in a relationship with God and they chose not to. And I, sometimes I've heard people say, you know, Hey, that, what a setup, like what a total setup. Why even put that opportunity in there if you didn't want them to fail? But we all know real love. It's always a choice. It's always a choice right? Otherwise we're just robots in that created perfect space. God gave humanity the opportunity to choose real love and to stay in a relationship with him. Just one tree. 
And they made the choice that we all do, right? We all say, I want to be my own boss. I want to be independent. I want to be my own God. I mean, it's not really a surprise if you've hung out with uh, two and three-year-olds. It's all over the place, right? This is how the Bible says it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's the problem. So our choice to rebel, to tell God, no, thank you, right? Means that we're separated from him, stranded apart from him. You know, physical death wasn't a part of the original creation. There wasn't supposed to be any separation, but because of our choice, death entered in. And today, God allows us to receive exactly what we want. Independence from him that starts now and continues on even after we die. So how do we restore our relationship with him? Third, we acknowledge that Jesus is God's son who was sent to repair our standing with God. Now we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You can go pick up that message if you'd like. Jesus is not just some uh, hippie, love each other and you'll be fine guru, right? That's never presented in the Bible. He never talks about himself that way. He didn't come so we could have some more nice sayings about how we should treat each other nicely. He's God's son and he always told the truth of who he is and what that means for us. In John 3, Jesus talking about himself. He says, for God loved the world in this way, He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but everyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. Jesus saves, that's what that means. So that when we trust in him, depend on him to make us right with God, when we put all of it on the line, we get restored in our relationship with God. And it allows us to be with him even after we finish our time here on earth. And now our culture doesn't like to talk about a whole lot or admit it. The claim of Jesus of the one who restores us is very clear. In Acts 4, there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Romans 1, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. And as a result, people are without excuse. You know, we're born knowing that there is more than just this life in the material world. That's why death is so painful. That's why we know that it's out of place. And Jesus offers us the way to life both now and even after we die because we are eternal beings created to be forever in a relationship with God. So how do we move back into that? Fourth, we choose to relinquish control of our lives to follow Jesus. And with that action, we become God's children. There's a moment when we have to choose for ourselves that we want to trust in all that Jesus showed and did and taught. Because Jesus did everything he said he was going to do. You know, we've talked about this before. There are 37 miracles in the New Testament, in the Gospels, right? That were witnessed by multitudes of people, tons of eyewitnesses around. And again, the Gospels, man, those, those first four books were all completed within 50 years at the very latest of the events happening 
right? And they're reliable eyewitness accounts. Two of the gospels, Matthew and John, are direct eyewitness accounts from disciples. One, Mark, is a report given by an eyewitness. That would be from Peter. And one is a two-part document that was researched and written by Luke, a physician. And if you're going, well, 50 years, is that too late? You know, do we know what happened in the 70s and 80s? We do, right? Because, well, I was there, right? It's not too long of a time period for the eyewitnesses to have faded away. So we can rely on what they tell us and what Jesus told us about himself. John 14 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Being saved from lostness, from being separated from God, only comes through Jesus. And in reality, we're brought back for even more than just being in God's presence. John 1.12, to all who received him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believed in his name. Sometimes we can hear these things and not really think about it, but think about what that means to be a child of God. Think about the unself-centered love that's shared between a loving parent and a child. And that's what God says he wants in our relationship when we come to him through Christ. Think about the unconditional access that's there between a loving parent and their child. That's what God gives to us when we come to him through Christ. And think about the joy that's shared, right? All of these things, God says, I want that for you. So Jesus is the way for us to be restored into that kind of relationship with God, but that's not the whole story. This is where we end up. Fifth, we rest in knowing that God will keep us with him as he remakes all of creation into a state of harmony and perfection again. Jesus promised us that we will not only be in a relationship with him now that's restored, but it will continue through him to be in God's presence forever. John 14 says this, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Now, because of the way our culture tends to talk about uh, life after death and the great beyond, you know, sometimes we can think that uh, it's full of like little flying baby angels, which by the way, that's never talked about uh, in the Bible, or uh, everybody is dressed in robes, you know, wearing Birkenstocks, which also is not really a thing. And so we get this feeling that it's just going to be strange. You know, it's just going to be this strange, weird, and, and not really something to anticipate. But here's the reality. Remember when we talked about the perfection of the garden, the presence of God, no death, no hunger, no separation, beauty all around. This is the picture we see in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. And on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. And the leaves were even used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads, right? 
because we're part of the family. There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Man, that is a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Think of something that you've seen or experienced that has absolutely taken your breath away. Like time is frozen. Like it is so beautifully perfect. It may be, maybe it was an experience like you held your newborn child. You know, maybe you, you, there's a song that always you're like, ah, or maybe there's a, there's a a movie or a, a painting, something that stirs this deep, deep, deep thing within you. I know for our family, we went out and visited um, Zion National Park in Utah. I mean, I mean, tears, people, just unbelievable. That's just a shadow of the perfection of what God wants us to experience when we live with him. At the end of human history, God wants us to be present with him in another perfect place of peace and healing. So the whole story, right? The whole story of God's desire to restore us is this. He designed us to be in a personal relationship of love with him. We make choices that break our relational connection with God. Jesus is God's son sent to repair and restore our standing with God. When we give up control of our lives and we trust in what Jesus has done, we become God's children and we rest then in knowing that God will remake all of creation into a state of harmony and perfection again. And now I know that for some of you like this, it's a big thought. This is a huge, huge thing to think about. Sometimes, you know, when you talk to folks, they're like, I mean, it sounds good, but how can you really know? I mean, the universe is so big. Like there's, uh, how can I, how can I know that there's this true intentionality? It's so specific. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't know how to get this. Here's what I would say. I know that we're all taught that this universe, the cosmos, it's just, it's just this massive, massive machinery of chance, randomness, right? And billions and billions of years of time, right? So you roll the dice enough times and eventually you'll end up with where we are. But I would say that's so not true. So not true. We are not without purpose. We are not without meaning. There is a God who created it all, who is not silent, who wants to communicate with us, who wants to be in a relationship with us. And that's what he's saving us for. And I've got, actually, I've got a little experiment for you. So this is an experiment that you can start right now today. Um, As a matter of fact, you can let it roll today, tomorrow. You can let it go for a week. You can let it go for years. And I'll guarantee you the end results will be the same. So I want you to do this. I want you to, uh, if you have any doubts about this, I want you to grab a kit like this. Legos. Little kit of Legos. Okay. I'm a big fan of Star Wars. <laughs> I'm a nerd, people. Right? So we'll cheat a little bit because I know that, you know, this is going to be an X-Wing fighter. Okay? So grab, grab a kit. Go into your backyard. Right? And I want you to, to take those and just sprinkle them around your backyard. As a matter of fact, you can do a far sprinkle. You can do a kind of a medium sprinkle. You can pile them up on top of each other. Right? Just throw them in your backyard. 
Now, what I want you to do is I want you to watch him. And I want you to watch him very, very carefully and wait. So when you get up in the morning, take a look, see what's going on. Pray for rain, pray for sunny days. Let the power of the sun, you know, beam down on those. Let the, let the little worms and stuff push him around. Let your dog dig them up. Pray that lightning will strike them. Check on them at night in a full moon, right? Keep a careful eye on them. Set up a ring camera, right? Watch to see what happens. You know what you're not going to see in your backyard? Let me see. Come on out of here, little guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's what I'm talking about. You're never going to see this. Those Legos are not going to put themselves together. Guess what? You will not be able to have a conversation with those Legos. It doesn't matter how long you wait. Nothing comes from nothing. Unless there is a God who creates and builds and works Life, relationships, love, and meaning are here because that's how God designed it. God created you. He knows you. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you so much that he has pursued you for all of your life. So let's go back. What does Jesus save us from? What? Ourselves. Being our own petty little gods. What does he save us from? From meaninglessness. We are his. And in him we find meaning. What does he save us from? Being sincere and sincerely wrong. What does he save us? For to be with him forever. And knowing the whole story, right? Getting caught up in it all. Here's the thing. Don't stay stuck with where you have been. God desires a relationship that we can start right now. Jesus tells us that he is the key So you can pray this prayer wherever you are. Jesus, I trust in what you've done for me. I put my life in your hands. I want to depend on you. I want to follow you and begin my relationship with you right now that will continue on into eternity. And if you make that step, if you're trying to figure this out, man, find somebody you know that's following Christ and just talk with them or share with them. You can grab a staff person who's here this morning and just say, I have questions. If that's too weird for you, like you're like, I don't know about this. Two words, Gateway Connect. Just send those to 474747 so that we can get in touch with you to encourage you. Are you ready to live the life that has meaning and purpose that God designed you for? Come to him through Christ and take that next step today. Let's pray.